playing online and on smart devices. Now on London Scotty Radio, it's podcast time. I'm George Matlock. It's great to have you back. London Scotty Radio at your service. And I'm George Matlock, your host today. And we have a very special guest on the line. You'll remember Kath Marshbank. And a very good uh, salute to you. How are you, Kath? I'm very well, thank you, George. Great to have you back. Yeah, great to have you back on the show. Go on, say it for me. You can say it for me. It's it's good good to be back. (laughs) And it's good to have you back. And I know you've got nine little reprobate Scotties with you at the moment. Um, I have, yes. So we're doing our best to suppress them while we do this recording, but it's it's all authentic. It's all good. So as long as you haven't got any, um, you know, any other breeds of dog in there, they were all right. But you know. oh well, I'm sorry, I've sneaked two little dashhounds in that were in need. <laughs> so we're seven Scotties and two dashhounds at the moment. Now, for those who've joined us and who've never heard this program before, um, you won't know this, but um, Kath Marchbank is the welfare officer of Stex, which is the Scottish Terrier emergency uh, care scheme which has been going since the mid-1970s and part of their role um, is to uh, help rehome um, Scotties who are in either in peril or simply need to be moved because of one reason or another Uh, and very often that means of course you're also picking up other dogs as well as Scottish Terriers because often families have more than one breed of dog don't they? They certainly do. Yep, so. oh, and I bet you've it's, taken some large dogs, Rottweilers perhaps, in the, in your time? Uh, odd, odd times we get a bigger dog. Um, you know, one time we took in, there was a Labrador and a Dalmatian and a Boxer with the mm. Scotties. So we had three big dogs. We took nine dogs from one, one household. Right, so. right. So you are very, very busy now. I know that you work pretty much every day, I mean, right? I mean, you are uh, literally... Um, 24-7 aren't you as a service definitely yeah yeah, yeah. and um it, since we we last spoke which i uh, don't know how to break this to you but it has been rather a long time since you've been gone, since you've been gone. well as you get the get my drift um so it's been a long time since we last spoke to you it's got to be a good full year now hasn't it I think it has, yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell us, if you would, um, what, what are the statistics looking like? Because I know that you compile national statistics. You're a national charity. Um, and I know that part of that involves um, keeping a track of how many Scottish Terriers need to be rehomed each year. Um, I seem to remember in the last few years it was around the 50 dogs a year um, sort of tag. Where is it at the moment? What's, what's been happening now that we're post-lockdown? We're getting back up to the hundred mark. Very busy. The dogs have, yeah, yeah. the dogs have really increased. Um, you know, people struggling, um, losing the houses, yeah. struggling to feed the dogs. If it's a short term thing where somebody's um, needs some help, we can provide the emergency care, yeah. and we can step in and help towards vet bills or even paying for food. You know, if somebody's really in dire straits. Um, so it's not always about taking the dogs in from the people and rehoming them. We do try to keep the dogs in the home. Mm, of course. But sadly, you know, if people have lost the house and they're having to go into rented and it's it's not a short term thing, then, you know, it is better for the dogs to be, uh, you know, to come in to be rehomed. Of course, of course. So what you're saying is that 
presumably a, a, a combination of things is behind this art, is it? I mean, it, it's the economy, that the, the cost of living, which is going up, and uh, and presumably people, more people are having to go back to work and employees insisting that they do come back to work. Because, of course, a lot of people took on dogs thinking, well, lockdown's here and the world, the labour market has changed and, and I will now be able to work forever from home. And of course, that's not the case, is it? No, no. And this is where people are struggling. They all went out, they bought puppies during lockdown. Great when they were working from home with those young dogs. Mm. Um, but as you say, they've gone back to work. The dogs are getting bored. You know, can they afford to pay a dog walker, which is great, you know, somebody to go in, take the dogs out, relieve that boredom. But for a lot of people, they're struggling. You know, the extra bills, the cost of, uh, of mm. living has gone up so much. Yep. So, you know, paying the dog walker, that £20, um, you know, between 15 and £20 for them to come in and take the dog out. Um, you know, that that's one of the things that people are cutting back on, unfortunately. And it's to yep. the detriment of the dog. If you work five days a week, that's £100 down just for the dog walk, isn't yeah. it? And that's, that's before it. anything else. And of course, you've got insurance on top, you've got other things. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to London Scotty Radio. And uh, well, let's tell us tell you a little bit about what our listeners think of the show And now that we're back. This is Jenny. I listen to London Scotty Radio podcasts when walking my lovely Scotty, Logan. It's the perfect accompaniment to a leisurely dog walk. I'm Elaine. I like to listen to London Scotty podcast while chilling with a glass of wine and preparing dinner. It's Max here. I listen to the podcasts and the bubble bath for fab tips. This is Zelda. I like to do lino cuts of Scotties. That's what I do when I'm listening to the podcast. I listen to them for inspiration. This is Fraser, the London Scotty Club podcast. It's a great way to end the day. Couldn't agree more. Thank you, uh, listeners, for your little contributions there. Um, so we have Kath Marchbank, Welfare Officer of Stex on London Scotty Radio. And, of course, this we, we don't do this on a, on a regular cyclical basis like we used to, but we have a show called Scotty MOT. <coughs> now, there you go. And uh, with Scotty MOT, <coughs> we like to talk about things to do with the well-being of our lovely treasured pets, Scottish Terriers. Now, as anyone knows, they're lovable dogs, but they can also be vulnerable dogs. They, like any other breed, uh, they need care, love and attention. And as we have been hearing just now from Kath, it's not always easy to get all of those three things magically together, particularly when people have to earn a living or indeed in some cases where they have lost work um, because their, their job is no longer uh, available. Um, and so today we are very much in line with that, thinking uh, that the programme should be devoted to that very, very subject, which is money. Indeed, indeed. So we're going to talk today to Kath about ways in which you can save some money. Kath, over to you. I know you've got several tips for our listeners. Yeah, well, one of the main um, tips is the taking your dogs to be groomed. If you're very good and you start to groom your dogs more yourself, so just by combing them through each day on a daily basis... You're taking all the dead hair out, uh, stopping the coat from getting too thick and bushy. So you might be able to just spread um, the time of the you taking the dogs to be groomed. So you might get an extra two weeks. So instead of going in at an eight weekly point, you might be able to stretch it to 10 weeks, um, you know, just by doing that daily comb through yourself. So hence saving some money throughout the year. Sounds like very sage advice. Very, mm. you know, and if you're feeling very brave, 
um, you know, to actually have a go at trimming the dogs yourself. Um, you know, there are grooming charts available. Um, it's always good to to have a go at grooming after your dog has been recently groomed because the coat is quite fine. Uh, the the lines are all in place where the, you clip to. So, you know, it is something that can be done, but it's good to seek some practical advice, um, you know, on how to go about it first. And, and you have got the expense of buying the clippers. But once you've got that in place, then you know, you, you can save yourself quite a lot of money throughout the year. And you mentioned there, of course, clipping, um, which uh, of course means involving a sharp instrument. So you've got to be very careful how you use it. First, that you don't injure yourself, but also that you obviously don't injure the coat of the Scotty. Um, but the, the other way, of course, is hand stripping. And as we all know, that's a very labor intensive, uh, uh, you know, uh, activity. And of course, the costs of hand stripping a dog are quite high. Um, so, but, but also I would think that the cost savings are quite high as well. I, I know somebody who has a, a, a terrier, not a Scotty, unfortunately for him, but he has an Irish terrier, which are of course, lovely dogs as well. And what he tends to do is he hand strips his dog himself. Um, but what, because he keeps, um, it, it, as, as you've suggested, um, you, you groom the dog and soon afterwards to what he does is he maintains the coat. So he's not, so he's literally watching TV. And he's plucking away. <laughs> and his dog loves it, apparently. And the no, two but, of them are watching TV and having a great time. Now, I don't know, some people say to me, you shouldn't hand strip a dog more than three or four times a year. But I tend to find that my dogs need it after about six weeks. They're just back to normal, very bushy. That's it. But if you can get in there and get that dead undercoat out, because remember, Scotties, they don't molt that coat out. Mm. So it's we've either got to strip it out or clip it out. But if you can go in there on a daily basis and comb that coat, mm -hmm. it stops it getting that bushy undergrowth. So you're not needing to strip as much. The key thing when you are hand stripping is to, it's got to be the correct time to do it. Because if you pull in at the hair and it's not ready to come out, then you are hurting the dog's skin. And more than likely, the dog's going to come round and give you a good snap and say, get off me, Dad, you're hurting. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, if the time is right, yeah. then, you know, once you've got the knack of being able to strip, so some people use a rubber glove, some people use a pumice stone, some use a mm. stripping knife, mm. whichever technique you've got, um, you know, it, and if it's the right time, then it is quite an easy process. You know, so there are chalks and things that you can use that helps, um, you know, cut the court down as well no so. I, I know that groomers all, all often say particularly those who are doing the hand stripping that uh, they will complain if you haven't um uh, uh brushed your dog sufficiently in the weeks leading up to that appointment to to see the groomer um because obviously that if the, if the do dog's fur particularly the skirt and the un under underneath um become matted it's first of all painful for the dog it has to be untangled it's not easy for the uh, for the groomer because the groomer's now got uh, got to add the time to the bill it all goes yeah. on the bill um, and very often the dog will snap and be agitated which doesn't fulfill a very happy experience for, for either dog or the groomer um, so presumably um, a, a very important point which you made at the outset is that it's really important to to groom the dog to to brush the coat daily to get into that routine um, and then that will presumably save some of the uh, grooming bills Definitely, you know, if uh, a lot of the times if people take a dog into the groomers and it is badly matted, you get your dog back and you say, 
where's my dog? <laughs> and they said, this is your dog. It looks totally different from when it came in. Yeah, All yeah. the skirt's gone because the groomers, they haven't got time to be detangling, to be spraying mm. and combing all those knots out. Mm. You know, you can spend four or five hours doing that on a really bad, uh, yeah. you know, a, a dog with a really bad knotted coat. And that's before you start doing the grooming, just getting those knots out by bathing and combing those knots through, drying the dog, you know, and that's all your grooming session gone. And you've not, you know, you've not started to clip. And you mentioned there uh, sprays. Now, indeed, that's a, a great bit of a nice lifesaver, isn't it? You can get sprays that you can apply to the fur and then that helps to presumably loosen and make it easier to brush through. It does, yes. And also the sprays, if you do use them, um, it stops debris and, and dirt building up on the coat. You know, so it's it's as good to spray, spray the dog once a week and it just builds up and just helps condition the coat. Right. So they, they are worth it, but mm. they are, you know, it's, they're not cheap. You know, the good products, they, they are a little, little bit expensive, but right. they do work. Well, again, if you get into the habit of um, of actually grooming on a daily basis, you don't, in the end, you don't even need to use them. So you, you, you probably use them to start, you know, if you've, st- if you, if you're, it's like everything else. It's all about getting over the inertia, isn't it? If, if you've got a it dog is. that's got lots and lots of knots, um, it's probably a, a more um, pleasant and humane way to address the problem is to spray it. Let it soak in. Um, do it over a week, maybe to allow the, the, the condition to 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 um, to build up. Brush through, um, and then because you manage to brush through, um, you just carry on brushing. You don't need to keep applying the the spray. So that aerosol can probably last for quite a long time. I would think on that basis. Yes, it, it does last a while. And then there's also um, conditioners that you can detangle conditioners and detangle shampoos if you are washing and grooming your dog in between the going to the grooming parlour. Mm. You know, you can use these products yourself to, again, to stop those knots building up in the, uh, in the skirt. And the, the sprays that you're talking about, obviously we won't and can't uh, advertise particular brands, um, but the type of um, spray, what what was it called? Is it literally just called an, uh, a fur untangle spray? Yeah, or? De- de- a detangler. Detangler. Um, yeah, a detangler. So. Sounds like a soft drink brand, doesn't it? <laughs> And we said no advertising not on this show. Thanks very much. Okay, detangler. Right. Yeah. Does it does sound like a, an orange, an effervescent orange drink that you can get in a can? I'm not going to say which one, but it's called detangler, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Look it up on Google. Gosh. Okay. Well, in that case, I think that's a really good money saving tip. So let's have a look at another topic. So that's grooming. Um, So thank you very much for sharing those uh, practical thoughts there, Kath. Um, I know the next topic you wanted to talk about is food, glorious food, in your own words. Yeah. It's a hard one with the food because if your dog is doing well on the food that you're feeding, then I'm a big advocate of why change. But, you know, if money's tight, then you know, to be able to keep your dog, then you've got to look at what can we do to, you know, make it go a little bit further. So one of the things is to actually weigh the food because a lot of the times we guess, you know, we, we put our hand into the um, uh, into the container where we store the food, if it's a dry food, and we scoop it out. Again, you know, if you're using a spoon to, if it's a tinned food and you're just, you know, spooning it out of the tin, but we're not actually taking any notice and weighing the food. So sometimes just by taking a few biscuits away, because it is over the grams that we're feeding, if you remove those over the week, you've probably got an extra 
a meal there. So, you know, long term you are saving money. It's like all things, don't overfeed. It's good for the health of the, the dog as well, um, not to be too, too obese. And as you say, it's also saving your, 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 your budget to some degree. And ladies and gentlemen, we are talking here about managing a budget more than actually saving um, money. I mean, if you can save money, great, but never do this at the detriment of the dog. So uh, always consider the importance of the nutrition that the dog needs um, in, in, in its, in its uh, daily uh, pursuit. Now, I think that's, uh, that's also very important. So yeah. don't, overdo, don't overdo it. We do not want anorexic dogs. That's not where we're going with Scotties. Scotties would not look nice if they're anorexic. No, that's it. They've, they've got to look good. They've, you know, they've yeah. got to have their... Uh, they've got certain roundedness. That's it, yes. <laughs> they're short, stubby legs, and they're as cute as they are for that reason. And we, yeah. we must respect uh, that, that as well. Okay, well, I, th- I think that's a, another really good uh, money... Sa- uh, managing, at least, if not money-saving tip. And then we come to the third topic. Now, this is a, a topic that I know is very, um, very difficult uh, at the moment. A lot of people are struggling with this, and that is the, the, the cost of insurance. Now, pet insurance is important. Not everybody chooses to have it. Some people prefer to keep their money under, a, under the pillow for a rainy day. Um, but yes, um, insurance does help in the case of um, huge bills that you weren't expecting, where you with some very serious... Uh, uh, operations need to be carried out that could cost into the thousands of pounds so uh, it's not to be sniffed at the idea of having uh, uh, pet insurance but um, if you are going to have pet insurance and not everybody I say agrees to to it or doesn't want to um, as the dog gets older premiums go up anyway that tends to be uh, a pretty much natural progression um, but there are ways in which you can save money on uh, the, on, on insurance in, in this inflationary period that we're living, uh, isn't there? There is a way that you've worked out that you can do this, Kath. Yeah, if you speak to your insurance company, because what you've got to be careful of is jumping ship and changing from one insurance company to another. Because if you do have a pre-existing condition with your dog... Uh, maybe your insurance company is paid out, um, you know, maybe two years ago. It's on the dog's record. So if you go to a different company, they're not going to then um, um, carry on or if the uh, problem uh, occurs again, they won't then cover it. So it's got to be, you've got to be very careful if you change companies. So you're as well to stay with the company you're with, but pick up the phone, chat to them and ask them, you know, is there anything that can be done to reduce your premium? And normally if you play with the excess and pay a bigger excess, then the premium will come down. So that's one thing worth looking at. So excess for those who um, uh, need to, who don't have insurance or don't know quite what it means. It's not me um, having too many lagers before doing a show. We're not talking about that sort of excess. We're talking here about um, the the amount that you, as the uh, the owner of the dog, is willing to to pay um, at the outset of any claim. So if you've got a claim of let's say it's five hundred pounds, uh, the vet bills and whatever comes to five hundred pounds, and let's say you've got an excess of a hundred pounds on that uh, insurance policy for that particular insured pet. What it means is that you're basically agreeing to pay that first £100 of the of the vet bill um, and the insurer would then um, uh, scrutinise the claim 
uh, with a view to honouring the other £400 to be paid, making a total of £500. I mean, that's what we're talking about, isn't it, by excess? It is, yes. Right, yeah. okay. So what you're saying is then that if you choose to, uh, and most most insurers are quite flexible like this. In fact, I'm sure that many of them actually uh, quite quite like the idea of, of, of insured um, actually increasing their excess. If you increase the excess, which means that your, that your willingness to pay uh, on on your on policies, then uh, your your premium your your monthly premium could go down. Yes, yeah. yeah. So in, you know, long term, hopefully you're not going to need your insurance, and you know you're going to save over that year. Um, you know the the trouble is if you do come to make a claim, um, and if you have gone for an IR excess, maybe a two hundred and fifty pound excess, then you know you've got to be able to have that two fifty handy. You know when a, a policy claim comes through. So it's always wise to have a bit of money for a rainy day, doesn't it? Really, it Kath? is. Yeah. I mean, when when you think about the the costs involved in insuring even a younger dog, but obviously as the age bracket goes up, so the the premiums go up anyway. Uh, because more um, they're more vulnerable, but all the dogs are considered to be uh, more likely to to have uh, a serious matter that needs to be addressed medically, and so therefore uh, there's a greater chance that uh, there will need to be claims made. But w- when you think about it, um, if you have a very low uh, excess, and low means different things to different people, but let's say it was fifty pounds, um, you are you are more likely, uh, some people would say, to to actually claim on on a policy like that. Uh, because you would just say, well, uh, you know, every every any, anything I go for, um, you know, I, I I can then put on the insurance, and so yes. the insurers have a pretty bad risk, is what they call you. You're a bad risk to them because you you keep um, claiming every time you get over that fifty pound mark. But That's if you if your insu- if your excess is one hundred and thirty pounds, one hundred and fifty, two hundred, whatever, you're less likely to want to bring it forward because you know that in any case you're going to have to pay the first part of that. The insurer knows that you're also less likely to, uh, you're, there will be less propensity, less likely to to want to claim unless it's a very serious matter. And I guess really, Cass, you know, the, the real rub comes in the fact that um, the costs of, of veterinary uh, attention are so high now and, and forever going up that um, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to, to consider insurance. And it also makes a lot of sense to consider a much higher excess so long, I say, I say so long as you remember to put money aside to pay that excess. Because, um, you know, let's face it, if, if, if the insurance bill comes to £5,000, that is a jaw-dropping amount. But actually, that's pretty common in many cases um, for, for vet bills. Um, you know, w- what's the difference between an excess of £90 and two hundred and fifty pounds when you're looking at a bill of five thousand. It's a no brainer. I mean, I don't yeah, mind. You know, I don't mind paying two hundred and fifty, knowing that the next four thousand seven hundred and fifty pounds is actually going to be paid by the insurer. Meanwhile, I've yeah. also saved money because I've saved money in the in, in the period in which I wasn't claiming, um, because my pre monthly premiums would have been lower, right? Um, and the longer you didn't claim for, the more money you've effectively saved. So I would say the money you've saved in that uh, between those two premiums is the money you should be putting away each month for the rainy day in case you need the excess. So yeah. it's a win-win situation, isn't it? That's it. You know, because quite rightly, the vet fees have gone up. Um, uh, uh, we were contacted a dog had 
just fell off the settee, broke his leg. Oh, dear. Um, shattered it in two places. It was a very bad break. Four and a half thousand pound to fix. Easy, isn't it? And that's just, just for falling off a sofa. Think about that's it, it, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Just think about what that the dimensions of that and that's that's what we're talking about it's it's expensive i mean i don't know if you've looked at any figures uh, su- suggesting how much um, insurance has gone up by but i presume it's actually gone up in the last couple of years by more than the retail prices index the the indica- indication of uh, uk inflation because i would have thought that it's gone up by more just because as you all know i mean inflation is a, is an average figure based upon the whole economy uh, but then specific areas of the economy very often have much higher inflation um, and anything to do with medicine innovation um, all these scientific types of things they tend to 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 rise by more than the average rate of inflation don't they they certainly do um, one of the other things that you can do um, if you if your pet has come down with a, a medical issue and it's ongoing and the, the dog's going to need tablets for life Instead of getting the tablets from the vets, what you can do is ask the vets to provide a prescription. Yep. And you can then send off to one of the pet company, the drug companies, which are online. And generally, you can buy the tablets for a good 40% less than what the vets charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in turn, you, you, your insurance company, if you're insured, is still paying that money, but you're not claiming as much. So, if you've only got a £12,000 spend in that year, Mm. You know that the whole twelve thousand, you're not going to have to be adding to it as the year end coming along. That you know you're covered, so it's worth. Uh, even though the dogs are insured, it is worth still getting a prescription and getting the drugs. Uh, you know sometimes the human drugs, which can be got from the chemist, there's that some mm-hmm. of the dogs, uh, the Scotties, if they're having liver problems, some of the drugs that we're treating with are actually human drugs, and I get my prescription from my vet take it into the chemist which is just down the road and uh, you know i get the medication a lot lot cheaper do you know what you've actually reminded me of something very important one of my dogs um, has regular medication um, just for a, a skin complaint and i did exactly what you suggested which is i uh, went to to um, to get a private prescription that's what they're called um, you tell your vet that you want a private prescription they usually charge you around about 15 pounds or thereabouts as an administration fee at least in london that's the case it may vary in other parts of the country but around the 15 to 20 pounds mark that's the fee that they will charge you but for that they will give you three months supply of medication that in many cases as, as you say is, is at least 40 percent less and that can really make a big difference because in the case of this medication, we're, we're probably saving around about £150 every quarter. Yeah. But you know what? I'm doing that as a savvy consumer. I hadn't thought about what you just said, which is the punchline is that you can still put this on your insurance because it's still medication which the dog needs. It's just that you're paying less for it. So insurers should be quite happy as well that you're actually less of a, a risk again. You're less of a burden to them as the insurer. Um, and as you say, it also allows you to stay within your spending limits because there are obviously spending limits on how much in, in, how much insurance they will give you. And that's another thing to look into, ladies and gentlemen, is that uh, s- smaller premiums often mean less cover or less a, a, a lower ceiling in terms of how much you can claim per year from the insurance company. So you need to also look at that what do you think of comparison websites do you think they're a good place to look at for pet insurance yes it's a, it's a good way you know if you're starting off from scratch have a look around 
but the key thing you've got to look for is that they will cover the dog for life. So if a mm. Mm-hmm. If a, if your dog gets an illness, it's covered for the its entire life. It's a lifetime policy. Policies, yeah. With some policies, you might only be covered for that twelve thousand pound. Or once that twelve grand's used up, it doesn't renew the year after, mm. and or even it might spread across two years. But once that twelve thousand is used up, and the dog's got an ongoing issue, you can't get insurance with anybody else. Yeah. But the insurance won't then pay out any more. So it's a lifetime cover that is the key thing. That is the, that's, where, that's where you shouldn't economise. I agree with you because your pet comes first and the whole point of insurance is, yes, you want to avoid nasty financial shocks if your dog is poorly, but you also need to think about what happens if your dog becomes effectively uninsurable in year three, four or five because, as you say, the money's run out and nobody else will, will, will now insure that dog. So it is a real dilemma, I'm sure, for households, something to really... Uh, consider. But thank you very much for that. A very good uh, uh, idea on on how to save on your insurance premiums for pets. And with that, I think we've we've come to the end of the show. It's been an absolute thrill. Kath, have you enjoyed yourself? I have, yes. It's very, very good. It's great to have you back. Um, we will, from time to time, do the show again. So, ladies and gentlemen, as you probably know, um, Scotty M.O.T. <coughs> It is um, a show which uh, used to run on uh, well, pretty much every two weeks, in fact, if I'm not mistaken. It was every two weeks we had uh, alternating guests and Kath was one of them. Um, but we've now gone to a slightly more uh, flexible approach, which is when we've got a few topics we want to talk about in one go, we, we bring it together. Um, I would certainly invite you all to drop us an email if you've got any questions that you would like us to uh, address in the future. Um, they may not be uh, necessarily pressing or urgent uh, questions. If, if you have any of those, we can only recommend that you go and seek professional veterinary advice as soon as possible about your Scotty. Uh, but if there are more general questions that you want, uh, maybe just things that are sort of nagging at the back of your mind, or oh, I need to ask about this, I've, I don't know the answer to that, um, feel free to drop an email, info at londonscotty.club, and um, we will park your, your question for a future edition of Scotty MOT. Okay, well, on that uh, note, I think really, um, I just want to say it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show, Kath. Um, we look, look forward to talking to you again in the near future. Thank you. Thanks for listening to London Scotty Radio. This and all our podcasts are available online at londonscotty.club. If you liked it, be sure to subscribe to us from your favourite podcast player app. Also visit us on YouTube for fun videos. And if you have a Scottish Terrier in London or nearby, be sure to join us.